What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. This is True to You Chats with your host, Casey Brown. You can find me at Powercakes. Powercakes.net is the blog. I'm a personal trainer, social media gal. Um, and every time I do this, I try to think of something exciting to say about myself. <laughs> I'm like, what else do I do? Let's see. I've been blogging for 10 years, 11 years now, maybe. Anywho, you've heard it all. If you want to learn more about me, head over to Instagram. I'm so excited for today's episode. It is episode number 23. Is it 23? Let me double check. Yeah, episode 23. Hello, we are cruising. Thank you guys so much for being here seriously and listening to the show. I mean, bringing on these guests has been so fun for me. And like I always say, it's like a selfish thing because I get to like meet these amazing people who in this world or social media, you know, can feel untouchable whenever they have a certain amount of following or, you know, they're aligned with certain brands that are that are bigger than we ever think we could be aligned with. And we think that these people are truly untouchable and we could never, you know, connect with them or reach out to them. And and I'm reaching out to these people and they're humans. We are humans. We And I know that they have a story behind the screen. And as much as they share their story, uh, there's so much more that goes along with that. And we can all learn from each other, especially in a space like social media where it can be you know, a hard place to sit in sometimes. Um, so with that being said, I reached out to Sam. She is known as AKA the Sam plan on Instagram, over 200,000 followers on Instagram. And like I said, can seem untouchable. Oh, Sam won't get my DM. Sam doesn't notice me, you know, blah, blah, blah. Reach out to Sam. She was like, heck yeah, I'm down. Let's chat. And now we want to do more episodes together. It's, this is the world and this is the connection that we all need. And we learn about each other. And I just know there's so much more to somebody and their story. And I want you guys to learn about these people. And Sam did not disappoint as I knew she wouldn't. None of my guests obviously disappoint anyone that comes on here. Everyone has a story. And Sam is from what I knew before actually connecting with Sam, like before actually coming on this podcast with her, I always really looked up to the way that Sam was so transparent on social media. So if you follow her social media, she's really, really amazing about showing both sides to what everyone sees. So maybe a she'll show a, a picture of herself. Sorry, I can't talk today. <laughs> she'll show a picture of herself in a pair of yoga pants, you know, high-waisted yoga pants, because what did we do before high-waisted yoga pants, right? So she would show a picture, and then she'll show a picture with her yoga pants, her high-waisted yoga pants, like, rolled down to, like, her hips, and showing how, quote-unquote, different that might look, and how uncomfortable that could make someone feel, and like, are we hiding behind these high-waisted yoga pants? Are we hiding behind the high-waisted jeans or the, the bathing suit? And there's nothing wrong with wearing these items. And, and obviously, like, we're high-waisted for life over here for me. But I just love how she shows both sides. Like, what you see on social media isn't doesn't depict what that person might be feeling or going through. And so something that Sam has really um, talked about on this episode is – when she, a lot of us that are in this industry, I feel like have had a situation where we've, we tried competing or we did compete. We went through with a bodybuilding or figure or bikini show back in the day. That might be what got us into the weight room and whatnot. 
And Sam has a very similar story. And one of my favorite things that she shared was the way of when her, she says, the smaller my body got, the worse my relationship with myself was. So it's like, and I can 100%, I mean, a thousand million percent relate to this. I remember waking up and back in the day, 10 so year ago, whenever I was competing, which I chose to compete. So that's nobody's fault. You know, it's, it's what I chose to do at the time, but obviously background with an eating disorder, background with body image issues. And I would wake up, step on the scale. I'm, I was 25 to 30 pounds less when I competed than I am now. And I remember the fixation on being smaller and feeling that I needed to be smaller in order to fit in or feeling that I needed to be smaller so that people would think I was this, you know, whatever people would think about me. They would think, oh, Casey's worked so hard and, you know, all of this stuff. And granted, I did work hard, but what direction was I working hard to, to be so small? What was that going to get me in the end game? What it brought me was years of building my relationship back up with food and myself. And it was a really hard place to be. And Sam and I have a very similar Story. Um, we also go into BMI and how we think it's kind of bullshit, right? Um, so obviously, like we talked about how, you know, right now, like we weigh, we weigh more than we did when we competed, but we're the healthiest we've ever been. We have more muscle mass. We're stronger. We recover better. I mean, there's so many things and the BMI doesn't take into account how much muscle mass somebody has or how strong somebody is. And so we talk about that and it's just, you're just going to learn so much from this. And I am just so glad that you're here and so glad that you're going to listen to this and so glad that I've been talking for five minutes because I could go on and on about Sam. We're going to bring her back on. She is a, let me give you a little rundown of her, uh, qualifications, credentials. Um, Bachelor's of Science, Nutrition and Dietetics, Master's of Science, Kinesiology and Sport Nutrition, uh, Certified Strength and Conditioning Coach, Certified Sports Nutritionist. And what she does is help people with online training with their nutrition. That's like her, her number one. Obviously, fitness is a huge part of that as well. But she dove into the science of food and how that... Um, obviously can help with recovery and what we do in our fitness journey. So this one is so awesome. We're going to come back on and do other ones as well. Sam is going to come back on. We're going to have, we're going to break down different categories for you guys and have some episodes where not is not just a interview with someone, but more so teaching you guys about, you know, the breakdown of macronutrients, the breakdown of, you know, protein, carbs, and fat, how they can help your body. And, you know, we were aware that not everyone understands that and it took me a long time to learn and understand that. So, so excited to bring her back on again. She is one of my buds now, and I'm so excited uh, that we were able to connect. So make sure you follow Sam at The Sam Plan. I'll leave all of her information below, and we will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks so much for being here. Love you guys. I have been like fangirl of you for a while now, I feel like, and not just me, but like a ton of my clients know about you. Like we all will be like saying something and all of a sudden my client will be like, oh, is that a Sam plan move? Or is that like a Sam, like you have become like, a topic of conversation, which is, which is, it's just funny. Like it's a, it's a cool thing, right? How That's this- amazing. I'm honored. I'm honored and humbled for sure. Yes. Yes. So basically like, hi, I'm Casey. It's so nice to meet you. I feel like we 
social media is crazy, right? It's like, you feel like, you know, someone, and then you're like, you meet them like face to face. So like selfishly, I just love doing this to like meet people and connect with people in this space. Um, I'm like an old lady. I feel like, you know, it's like, I've been doing this for, you know, like, I don't know when I was in college 20, I was 20 years old. I started blogging now I'm 31. So it's like 11 years of blogging back before Instagram even started. Like, and now it's just, it's just a whole different, it's a whole different world. It's a whole different space. You know, it almost is the world now. Like it's grown so much. Right. Right. And so, um, in 2020, which feels like 75 years ago, but 2020, I got to a point where I was kind of like, you know what? I been blogging for so long. I've been, I've been using the keyboard to like get my message out there. And I've always been a talker. Like I've always been, I'm an in-person trainer. I am a, and there's nothing wrong with being an online trainer. I am just much more of an in-person trainer. I like to be, see, talk to people, you know, like in person. Um, so when I was like, I really feel like I want to get my voice out there, but like, like I want to start a podcast, but like, there's no, there's nothing holding us back, but ourselves. And so I literally, my friend gave me a microphone. He was like, I'm not using it. And I was like, perfect. I look so professional. Meanwhile, it's like, I'm up against my wall on this little desk, you know? Um, but it was just a way for me to start to, you know, share my story and share, just start to reach out to people that, that people follow and be like, there's so much more to you, Sam, than people even understand. Right. Totally. And I will say I've done a good, a good bit of podcasts before and your energy, the way that you like came into this, I was like, dang, this girl was made for this. So I'm very excited for what's to come. I have no (laughs) idea what that might look like, but I'm already very excited because this is so unique from any other intro I've had and any other podcast, which I have done a few and your energy and just your presence is insane. So I'm very excited. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm like, blushing over here. (laughs) No, but I, I think like, this is how it's so funny, right? I've listened to podcasts for years, like in the car, I'm a traveling trainer, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm driving everywhere and I listen to podcasts and it's like, I always thought my favorite version of podcasts that I listen to are always ones where it's like conversation and just, there's no like, Like I, I literally have a notebook and a pen and I take notes of things. Maybe I want to talk about while we're talking and whatever, but I literally just go into this as if we just met for coffee, because it's like, why be robots? (laughs) Yeah, girl, I just heated mine up. Yes. And you're like three hours behind me. So I'm in Rhode Island and you're in Arizona. I'm currently in Arizona. Yeah. Visiting my parents up in Scottsdale. But my mom actually went to school in Rhode Island. She went to URI. No freaking way. Yeah, small world. Are you kidding me? What did you, so what brought, where are they from originally? My mom is actually from um, New Jersey. Okay. My dad is originally from Connecticut. So they're both East Coast and they actually met in Seattle, which is where I grew up. Okay. And so my aunt currently lives in Rhode Island. She was a professor at um the art school there my god because I feel like we're all connected and this is why I love doing this because I'm like there are so many like connections are so important and it's like you never know 
what your connection could be. Like, I would have never guessed you had any ties on the East coast. Right. Like, and then you're like, Oh, my mom went to URI. I'm like, okay. Like we lived 30 minutes from there. You know, it's just crazy. So I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and it's lunch break for my husband. Who's <laughs> he's like, he's like, so used to this. I'm like, I have a podcast at 12. He's like, okay, I'll take my lunch next door. You know, it's like, goodbye. Goodbye. But, so um, so supportive. He, uh, from, from 10 years ago, I, before we even started dating, I sent him a link to my blog. Cause we like, we're about to start talking and I had been blogging and I'm like, anything you want to know about me is on this website. Here's my blog. Right. And I was like, it's either going to scare the shit out of him or he's going to like be into it. Right. Like, Oh, she's into yeah. fitness, like whatever. And the rest is history. So here we are, you oh. know, married five years together, almost nine years, but um, he's what brought us out here. So we're both from PA. He mm-hmm. got a job out here at a university, Roger Williams university. And we've been here for, he's been here seven years. I've been here six years now. Um, I think Rhode Island is like, it's just, it, you can like ask your mom to, it's like the most beautiful gem of a state. Like it's so little and yeah. you never know what to expect and what you're going to find. And it's just beautiful. Like, it's just this beautiful little place. And so you're happy there. You're never leaving. So it's really hard because, so our family is all back that way. So we, we go back and forth a lot, you know, because we, when we first moved out here, mid twenties, right? Like you're, you're just in a place of like, let's just go. Like what is holding us back? Like, let's do it. Right. And then you kind of get a little bit older and you're kind of like, like God willing, we want to start a family. Like, what does that look like? So I think that it's, it's a constant evolving, but that's how life is. Like, it's just constantly pivoting and changing. And we've learned that so much, you know, like, and that's what even launched this podcast. I was like, we need to be connecting more. And if we're going to, and why not? Like we have the opportunity to connect with you over zoom. Like how amazing, you know, is that? And I think, and before we get in, I want to get into your story. I'm like, so, uh, interested in your whole life. But, um, I think the most important thing that I have found, it's like, again, 10 years ago when I started Instagram, right? Like you, people always say like, Oh, where'd you get a following or whatever? Cause to most of my teenagers, I train my number might look like huge. And they're like, Oh my God. And I joke, right. I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) 10 years ago, I had the same amount of followers and it's okay. Like I have literally stayed the same, but I'm cool with it. Cause I just feel like I understand from the back, even though I might not have as many followers as someone like you, it's like, we go through a lot of the same thing. We, we are emailing a lot of the same companies. We're advocating for ourselves We're you are the product, you are the person, you know, and you're figuring out what works for you. So my question to you is how did you, how did you get into fitness? What's your background? Were you an athlete? Like, give me that. And then there's so much I want to touch on because so many of your posts resonate with me and my story of competing. And, and we've all, I feel like we've all been there, you know? And so just give me a little background about you. What got you into fitness? You know, where'd you get, how'd you get on social media? What was that? Yeah. So I've always been a, excuse me, a super active kid. I played every sport you could possibly think of. And truly it was like a love of activity that turned into an obsession due to almost like a conversation I had with my pediatrician about where my spot was on a BMI chart. I remember so vividly her putting it in front of me and being like, well, here's where you are. 
and here's where you should be. And that was really my first introduction to, okay, the way that I look, my shape, my size, it's not acceptable. <clears throat> and after that, I think anything from movement to food turned into something outside of enjoyment and, and had a different purpose. So that really transformed my relationship with myself, with food, with activity, and so much so that I became obsessed. I started developing some really bad habits and ultimately decided to study nutritional science in my undergrad. So, so obsessed, needed to know how to, for lack of a better word, like fix myself. Like I wanted to know how to change my outsides to reflect who I wanted to be on the inside. And, and I thought that it was so connected and that brought me to a master's degree in kinesiology and sport nutrition. I wanted to work with athletes. I loved feeling like an athlete, kind of a reflection of my upbringing playing sports. And that got me into bodybuilding, which did empower me to a certain extent because I finally understood, you know, through essentially experimentation, how to manipulate my body and achieve what I for so long thought was almost impossible. I finally was able to see my abs. I thought it was the coolest thing, but at the root of it all, I was so unhappy and I was even more insecure with how I looked on the outside. I was constantly picking myself apart. I was allowing myself to feel extreme fatigue and irritability and all of these things that I knew weren't necessarily good for me, but I was willing to sacrifice so much in order to achieve this, you know, pinnacle of what I thought, you know, athleticism and health and all that looked like. Mm -hmm. So uh, I really started my Instagram actually when I was in grad school, it was when I was competing. I didn't post any photos until I was acceptable, you know, quote unquote. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that was like maybe four weeks out from my first show. I just started posting recipes, maybe a few workouts, update prep. I wanted to be that classic fitness, almost like expert on Instagram. I wanted to fit that mold and I didn't show up until I felt like I did fit that mold visually. And that's really what launched my Instagram. And I have two, I have like a personal account, which, oh, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, you're fine. I thought it was mine too. I was like, woo, someone's calling. It comes through on the computer. It's like the craziest yeah. thing. You know what it says? <laughs> it's spam risk. Of course, risk. Yeah. That's new. Normally it's yeah. scam, scam likely or whatever, but I like the risk. <laughs> so weird. I'd rather anyway. it say that. Yes. Okay. Go back. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, it was in grad school. When I started my social media, I had a personal account, which I'd started in like undergrad, which was me trying to be artsy and cute. <laughs> and, and then I wanted to make something that was more a reflection of the professional I wanted to be in this industry, which I never thought it would be a full-time job. I thought, oh, I'd have a, a regular job. And then I'd also have maybe a couple clients on the side. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that evolved over time. And I started working actually in gyms. And I was like, oh, I'm so tired all the time. And, and it just, I'm more introverted than I am extroverted. So for me to work eight hours a day training people, it was just taking such a toll on my health and wellness. So then I started really considering doing the whole online thing, making it more of a full-time job, but from the capacity of nutrition, because that was really my primary education was first and foremost in nutrition. Mm -hmm. And that was where I found 
I want, that's where I wanted to be. That was the space I wanted to take up. So now I do more nutrition, lifestyle coaching from the perspective of kind of my experiences and education that, you know, no matter what you achieve, it has to be sustainable and it has to be enjoyable and you cannot sacrifice anything in the process or else it's not worth it. Number one, and number two, it's not going to be sustainable. So that's kind of where I'm at now. And that's kind of a little bit of how I got there. I always say like my neck hurts after these. Cause I'm like, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Like my head is just going. Cause I feel you like I feel I was just, I just posted this yesterday. It was like, although our experiences maybe in our fitness journeys are so different, they are yet a lot. There are a lot of same similarities between a lot of our journeys. Like, you know, and I think that like, I've had a client before long time when I first started say to me, you know, she like just started working with me and we met and she said, told me a little bit about her story. And with, um, she was having trouble with, uh, like just binge eating. And I have a background. I've, I talk about all the time, but I've been through eating disorder twice in my life when I was 10. And then when I was in college, it kind of reared its ugly head again. But, um, and she kind of went into this whole story and she didn't really know much about me, but she was like, you know, you wouldn't understand though, because like just based on what her assumption was of me. And I, and I, I was like, you know what? Like all those things that you've said to yourself in the mirror, I've actually said similar things to myself, you know? And it was like, not that my story is any better than or sadder than your story, but it's like, we are actually a lot more similar than we are different, you know, when it comes to things we might struggle with Mm -hmm. in our fitness journey. And so I'd love to go all the way back to like the first thing you said and talk about, um, your, uh, your situation with the BMI, because so my, uh, background is health and phys ed. So I went to school to be a, to be a gym teacher, right? They, they don't let us use that term. It's like, you have to say, I am a phys ed. I am an educator, right? Which is so funny. So it's so true though. I'm like, yeah, gym teacher just hits me differently. But so I went to school for, for a lot of the same things that we probably both learned in school. And for, I remember us looking at a BMI chart and I was sitting with my friend from high school actually. And we're looking down and we both played soccer and ran track. So we were like just a- athletic. And I'm thinking about this is before I competed. So I didn't really know how much I weighed. I kind of never really weighed myself. And I looked down at the chart and I'm like, all right, I'm five, eight, like I'm a long human and my weight is X, Y, Z. Right. And I look and it's like on the obesity line. And I'm like, it's kind of like hiding it to myself. Cause I'm like, all of a sudden I felt all of this like shame and confusion. And I was like, wait a second. Like, you know, I'm a freshman in, in college right out of high school, 19 years old, like wasn't even coming really into my own as like a woman yet, as far as like my body and and shapes and everything like that. And I look at my friend Kelly, who is, who is quote unquote smaller than me. And she's kind of like hiding her paper and we're looking at each other. And she's like, does like whispers, does your say you're like, obese or like, right. And I'm like, yeah, like, what does yours say? You know? And we both had this moment of like, what is wrong with us? And I remember, you know, nowadays you bring up BMI chart and so many trainers, so many people that I know in the health space are like, don't even look at it. Like it's, it's, it it doesn't take into account. And you understand it's like, it doesn't take into account any, any muscle, any, like I weigh more now than I have ever weighed, but I'm the healthiest and strongest I've ever been. So it's like for that mindset, it took a long time to shift. So I wonder for you, how old were you when that happened? And what, what 
to you, like, what did that mean? You know what I mean? Like, what did that mean for you? How did that feel for you? Right. So I was eight or nine years old and I remember my mom was there with me. And I remember, I'm pretty sure the pediatrician was like, do you want your mom in here for this? And I was like, I guess. Right. Right. (laughs) What are you going to tell me about myself? Yes. And it was just one of those things where you feel like you're let down or you're disappointed. Um, it, oh, it's like comes out of left field. You didn't even know that this reality existed until somebody puts it right in front of your face. So it was very surprising, disappointing, um, sad, you know, moving, moving forward. And even like looking back now, I'm like, that was, that robbed me probably of years of just being a kid, right. Being oblivious to, you know, something that actually wasn't even something that I needed to worry about. I was just growing at a different rate. I played lots of sports. I ate fairly well. Like I wouldn't say that I needed to necessarily work on any of those things. It was just a matter of time before I hit my little growth spurt and I would have been totally fine. But you know, we generalize a lot of things in this world and BMI is one of them. It was originally created for babies to make sure babies were growing at an appropriate rate based on, because babies double, triple, quadruple, whatever their size in a matter of months. Right. So make sure your child is growing. And I understand that there's, there's gotta be some generalizations in the health industry and elsewhere, but you know, there's so many other factors and unfortunately action is not represented in the health industry. So if you had asked me, what do I do for activity? What do I do for, you know, like what kind of things do I eat? And granted, my mom probably would have given you a better idea of that, but (laughs) as a healthcare professional, maybe that would have had you thinking twice on how you would approach something like BMI, which is a very wide generalization, doesn't account for you know, different times in life when people grow, it doesn't account for muscle mass. So it's something that I think needs to be readdressed and reassessed, but you know, that's not really my, my, uh, you know, position or it's not really something that I'm able to do directly, but I think talking about it really helps a lot of people because even today BMI is used in healthcare for older adults to qualify for cheaper insurance. Mm -hmm. And if you're somebody who lifts weights and has a higher lean body mass, you might not register, regardless of how high your body fat is, you might not register for that lower insurance because your BMI is higher, which is a huge issue in our healthcare mm-hmm. industry, among other things. But Right. <laughs> right. But that's like, so, okay. So I obviously had the background with phys ed, right? So obviously teaching kids was, was what I loved doing. I just didn't want to be in a school setting all the time. I wanted to be able to go in and out. I've always been very much a free bird, right? So I, my biggest thing, and I put myself in your position. I put my kids, I call all my kids that I train my kids. So people think I've got 35 children, which I basically do. Right. But I trained so many young females, youth athletes, and these kids are 
six days a week soccer practice. You know, I, it's hard to get them in with me. Like, I'm like, well, okay, what's our schedule this week? Like, it's like, they're busier than I was ever busy in my life. Right. When I was that age. And it's amazing. I think too, cause you touched on our experiences and how they shape the way that we do things. Right. And so for my experience with the eating disorder at 10 years old and my anxiety, um, basically coming out of my, my anxiety was, uh, peaking at 10 years old. I never knew I had it. I was understanding it. And then coupled with an eating disorder thrown in to gain some control. I, the way that I speak to my kids is completely from my experiences because what I've learned and, and, and to my adults, I mean, they know too, like they, it's, it's very similar. You know, the way I talk to my kid would also be the way I would talk to an adult because I would never use certain words. Right. So, you know, like they joke that my F word is very different than everybody else's F word. So if I ever have a, I've had athletes before I've trained athletes of all ages and they're, they're playing tennis five days a week, six days a week, high level tennis player, right? Mm -hmm. They're there five hours a day. And they made a comment about their thighs touching in front of me. And they said, oh, and they're, they're pinching each other's thighs. This is like years ago. And they're pinching each other's inner thighs. And they're like, if this could just go away. And I was like, took them off to the corner. And I was like, listen to me, you are one of the highest level athletes I've ever trained. You're here X amount of hours a day, X amount of days a week. You are, you are ranked in the USA. Like this is amazing. And that right there, that fat on your body that you just referred to your whole self as like, I'm fat. I was like, you are, you are so fit. We need to change the way we are thinking about this F word. So it became this big joke of like, oh, don't say the F word around Casey. Not that fat is a bad thing. Like we all have it. Right. But it's like, when I have people that refer to themselves as, oh, I'm fat or I'm my 13 year old girl is saying I'm fat. And she's there six days a week, putting in all this work and effort. And I'm like, no, we are fit. No more F words. Like you need to give me something else. You're going to say instead of that, because there's so much more than that. And I think that our experiences shape the way that we speak to other people and being a trainer, whether you're in person or online, does that, does that change the way you talk to your clients? It's almost like the second they say something, and it's not to their fault, but the second they say something, it's like, you see it. Like, it's like this it's huge float in front yeah. of you. Right. So I'd love to like your experience with that. Like, do you see it? Is it easy to pick up on? What is your reaction back to someone maybe that is giving you those flags of talking right. about themselves that way? I mean, find me a female who's never said something negative about the way that they look. It's totally it becomes so commonplace. It's almost what else do you talk about when you're that young? You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost that common that, you know, it would be, it would shock me to find a secure, confident young woman, um, in high school and middle school, because I think that that's just become so normal. And yeah, I get those things all the time. I, as much as I can preach my own message, which really is that, you know, how you look on the outside doesn't reflect your health. It doesn't reflect your beauty. And there's so many different ways that beauty is expressed in in different ways. And as much as I can preach those things, I still get people who message me and say, Hey, I really need to lose this 
fat on my stomach. I hate the way that I look. I get it all the time. I hear it sometimes from my clients, but I think at that point too, they're like, we know what she's about. So. Exactly. Right. Like they know, so, but it's like, mm, I still want to voice it. Right. Right. And it comes down to like, you know, you're saying things to yourself that you would never say to anybody else, whether you were, you knew them or not, you would never say these nasty things to other people. So why are you saying them to yourself? And also, you know, you have so many people who are focusing so, so much on how they look on the outside that they're willing to sacrifice their internal health, happiness, mental health. And I've been there. I've been willing to sacrifice all of those things to look differently on the outside. But what if you approached your plan from the perspective of how can I be the healthiest, fittest and happiest version of myself? And can you be accepting and confident and secure in what that body looks like because I bet if you were healthy happy confident you maybe wouldn't care as much about your external appearance or you'd be so happy that you wouldn't you know you wouldn't care as much or you would be so much more accepting of what you looked on the outside if you were just focused on being happier on the inside healthier on the inside which does include eating healthy whole nutrient dense foods it does include movement, sleep, ways to manage your stress. There's so many factors that are so similar to what it would take to accomplish changes in body composition, Mm -hmm. but it's the approach that needs to be adjusted and kind of realigned with a little bit more of a health focus, if that makes sense. Oh my gosh. Well, and that's the thing. It's like the when people come to us, right. It's like, no matter online in person, their most of their goals start with, I want to lose X, Y, Z. I want to look this way. I want to fit into these clothes. And it's like all the experience we have, it's like, you know, in the back of your head, like, oh yeah, they want that. But in reality, they're going to find a lot more than what they ever bargained for. And I, I always joke, I'm like, yeah, you didn't know you were signing up for like a therapist and a trainer and a, you know, like it's everything wrapped in one. It it truly is because it's, then you start to trainers, like good trainers are, are people that can connect with people. And I, and I always have said this from the beginning, my mom's actually a personal trainer. So I grew up with, I never thought I'd be my mom, but here we are and I'm my mom and it's fine. And so, you know, she 30 years owned her own business was a trainer. And I remember, I think it gave me a little bit of an edge because I always saw the way that she treated people and the way that she listened to people and the way that she met them where they were. There was no forcing of you're going to do this way. And this is the only way and whatever. And so when I, and so when I see a good trainer, I always say, you can know every muscle in the damn body. You can know every insertion point, every damn bone. I'm like, but it does not matter if you cannot connect with someone and Mm -hmm. meet them where they are. And it's kind of, it's, it's almost like I chuckle when someone comes in in the back of my head, like, Oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. And I'm thinking like, Oh girl, there's something underneath that. Like, why do we want to lose those 10 pounds? What, what comes up for us when we're trying to do X, Y, Z. And I think, you know, as women, we always, for some reason, want to be smaller in order to feel order to feel enough, which is which is being enough is like taking up space. It's the big version of yourself, but yet we want to be this big and then all of our dreams will come true. And mm-hmm. I want to know for you, cause I know my experience with bodybuilding and getting into shows, our college, the school that I went to in Pennsylvania 
actually had a show every year that the school put on. So I think of it now and I'm kind of like, oh God, you know, I just want to help so many because it's like, we were so young. I look back, I'm like, okay, so I am 20 years old, 19 years old. I know nothing about this world, right? Like that I knew about lifting. I started getting into lifting my best friend. Thank God. Like you know, liberated me off of the elliptical, got me into the weight room. She was a former gymnast and I followed her like a puppy. I was like, wherever you go, I go. And I I wanted to look like her, to be honest, to be honest to God. I loved how she looked. She was muscular. She had abs. Of course, we all thought we wanted abs. She had them because of years of hard work. You know, it's like this girl was a gymnast and she was this big. Mm -hmm. I followed that girl around. I talk about it all the time, but the next step almost in that process was to do a show. It was like, oh, all these people are working out. At first, I just wanted to like look different. I was like, I want to get, I want to get my biceps maybe a little bit bigger or whatever. And then everyone around me is talking about the show. And I'm like, oh, so I guess that's just the next step. Like that's what you do when you start lifting, right? You just do a bodybuilding show, which there's nothing wrong with them. But for someone with an eating disorder background who maybe hasn't touched in that, control of food for years, then all of a sudden I'm realizing, oh, I can control my food and I can look differently. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is, this is, this is something else. And so I wonder for you, what got you, what was that bridging of the gap between I'm lifting or I got into the gym or whatever, what got you to want to do a show? What was your step into there? So I'd already been lifting for a couple years, not anything serious, but I was in grad school at the time. The first introduction I had to bodybuilding was a few of my friends who were also in the program doing this research study on metabolism and the response, like that feedback loop of, if you lower your calories, how does your metabolism respond? So they were like, we'll put you on this essentially bodybuilding protocol. We'll, you know, slowly lower your calories over time. You're going to experience weight loss. And we want to measure how your metabolism responds. And I was like, Oh, I'll definitely sign up for this study. I'm in, you don't have to pay (laughs) me, give me anything. (laughs) I'll do whatever you need. This is great. Exactly. Yeah. So I did it and I, and it was so cool to me because at the time I was in school and it was a heavily research-based university. So I was consumed by all, or like surrounded by all this really expensive, you know, measurement machinery and, uh, that was really what sparked my kind of interest in that process and what it looked like. And they were so encouraging. I was like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, like, Oh, you think yeah. I'm I can be good at this? I was like, great. Like I love being good at stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> but I was scared, you know, I was scared of that image that everybody has in their mind of what bodybuilding looks like. I was scared that I was going to turn into the incredible Hulk and I was going to be unattractive. I was going to, you know, be what I didn't want to be. I wanted to be smaller. I didn't want to be bigger. Mm -hmm. So in the back of my mind, I had this fear and I was like, should I do it? Should I not do it? And once I got into it, I was hooked. I thought it was so cool. And going into my second year of grad school, I decided I really wanted to do a show. I was going through a breakup. So that really fueled the fire in a way of like, I want to be at my best. I want to show him, you know, what he's missing out on. (laughs) Exactly. And um, 
So I was like, I'm going to do a show. I struggled still for a long time leading up to that show with wanting to compete in bikini, which you know is kind of the softer, uh, less lean mass version of figure, was, which is the next step up from that. It's a little bit leaner, a little bit more lean mass. Maybe you're showing off a little bit more striations. So I struggled with which category I wanted to compete in because in deep down the little girl in me who wanted to be, you know, as thin as a Victoria's Secret model or, you know, America's Next Top Model, which was really right. cool when we were growing up. Oh, hundred um, percent. Tyra Banks all day. <laughs> as like my nighttime show I used to watch. Yep. yep. So, you know, deep down, I wanted to be that, but I also knew that my, the way that my body was and just genetically, I'm more, I'm much more tailored to a figure look and that's where I could be the most successful. So that was actually a really big turning point for me into embracing resistance training, my lean mass, my muscle mass and, you know, getting comfortable with being strong and muscular, being buff words that had like scarred me growing up because I never wanted to be those things. I wanted to be cute and petite and, feminine, like my sister, my mom, they're always smaller than me. And I wanted to, you know, even like my friends, I wanted to be that, but that was really a big shift for me in accepting my genetic makeup and really the advantages that I was born with that I was so willing to forego and sacrifice to reach something that was, you know, even dangerous for me to like lose that much lean mass to compete Mm -hmm. in another category would have been, so unhealthy, like beyond what I was already doing. So it was a really big shifting point for me, but what really helped me love that process was being in the environment that I was. I was able to every single week do bod pod measurements. I could use the DEXA. I had, you know, the best equipment to assess and monitor my progress. And I just was so interested. I loved it. I loved being able to you know, see the change and also know how to, I was coaching myself through, through both the shows that I did. And I was able to do so with so much confidence because I had that feedback from these really advanced measurement techniques. So it was really empowering because I was in charge and I was creating the change that I told myself I was committed to, but I didn't do anything else. I mean, I was still in school, so I studied I went to the gym early in the morning. I did my cardio in the afternoons or the evenings. And then I went to class. I got a dog the year that I decided to compete. And the so- one Griff, right? Yes. He's yes. like totally famous in my eyes. We, I, I have a dog too, Kita. She's I running around seeing, here. I keep seeing her walk yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My little beagle. She's a beagle greyhound mix. But oh my God, Griffy is like a, a celebrity in my eyes because we both understand like the connection to an animal. Yeah. I mean, that girl oh, yeah. is like our world, our world, you know? So anyway, I was like, Oh, is that that you're talking about? But yes, people have to look on your Instagram. He is, he makes an appearance. Wait, he or she, 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 why do I want it? That name, I guess to me is her name. It's yeah. It's not your fault. It's my fault. (laughs) It's my fault. Kita could be a boy too. Like who knows, you know, it's so the girl got it. Totally. Yeah. So I got to that year and I was just consumed with one foot in front of the other sacrificing. I mean, the theme of bodybuilding is like embrace the suck. Like, 100%. 
Yes. And it does. It does suck, but you know what to expect. And I mean, first world problems, like what other country like does this? <laughs> I yeah. mean, others do, but you know, first world. Problems. Right. Um, right. So like, you, you know what you're getting yourself into. And I certainly did. And I made it my world. It was everything that consumed my waking moments and even kept me up at night. It was it was my entire world. And, you know, now that I'm, I've created a different worldview, I look at life so differently because I was so trapped in that one, two, three, you know, train, eat, sleep. And now I'm like all of these other things that make life so fulfilling, like Mm -hmm. the relationships that you get to experience the you know, travel or, you know, your career, there's so many other elements to life that we get to embrace. And I was sacrificing all of them, happiness, health, being also in there to accomplish something that was so temporary. And it gave me a lot of enlightenment and empowerment, but it also, um, you know, is a phase of life that I don't want to get back into because been there, done that, it wouldn't serve me at this point in my life moving forward. And, you know, I wonder sometimes too, is that a perspective that we all should experience to a certain point? Or are you able to learn from other people's experiences in order to not make the same mistakes? And I wouldn't say again, it's not necessarily a mistake because I learned so much from it. But, you know, and I was the kid who you would tell me not to do something and I'd have to do it. So everybody's different. I'm not saying Uh that you have to learn from my mistakes, but hopefully, you know, these are the conversations that will help fuel the questions that might help you reconsider why you want to do something, what it's really going to bring into your life and potentially what a better solution might look like. And I think that with, with our experiences, right? Like, especially being in the role of a coach or a trainer, it's like all of my, I feel like my success with helping people is so from our own experiences, because you just, you care about other people so much that and obviously you're in a field of helping people. So you don't, you're like, why not use our experiences to be like, you know what? I see you going down this path that I've been on. And if you're not trying to compete in a bodybuilding show, but you want to get as lean as you saw these pictures of me, like, let me tell you what I felt like during that time and what I sacrificed during that time. Because most people, no matter, you know, what they come in saying, they just want to feel good. At the end of the day, you want to feel good. You want to have energy. You want to, and everybody's feel good looks very different. Like you said, like your genetics are different than my genetics are different than my friend, Courtney, who I followed like a puppy. She's five foot tall. We're built. She was a gymnast her whole life. I ran around my whole life. Like we were very different yet. I wanted to look just like her. And I was willing, I look back and I'm like, you know, I don't want to say like selfish. I don't mean it that way. It's like, you literally give up. Like I gave up so much of my college experience to, to, to look how I thought I needed to look. And I look back now and I'm just like, you know, again, I don't regret what I did. I don't, it was my choice. I'm a grown woman. I can choose not to choose whether or not to do this, but 
looking back, we didn't know we didn't, we were not educated to be, at least for you, you had people around you that understood kind of, you know, what you, that doesn't mean right. that you were, you were totally fine mentally all the time, but you had the machinery around you and it's almost like it gave you a reason. Well, I want to be able to help them in their study. I want to be able to show that I did good because I want to be a good student. You know what I mean? Like it, it all comes wrapping around for us. It was like, Oh, we do. You do the show, you sign up. There is no one helping you. And it was like, okay, so you're listening to the quote unquote bodybuilder guys that are in the gym with you. And they're telling me, okay, so eat as much as you can. Like you need to bulk, 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 bulk. So here we are. Like, I remember like crushing, crushing food. And this was so new to me. Like I, I went from just being a normal quote unquote, high school kid that wasn't really struggling with food. Thank God I had gotten to a point that was much better. I would have a soccer game and then go get Wendy's after like, that was like a normal thing. Right. And then I get into college and they're like, eat as much as you can. It's going to put on all your muscle. And then we're going to cut. We're just going to cut right for 10 weeks. We're going to cut. And it was just how you said misery loves company. We did it as a group. It was like, you had those people in the hoodies with the gallon water jug, waking up at 6 a.m. to do, walk on the treadmill. And I remember thinking, you know, I, I'd rather go and play like soccer than walk on the treadmill, but here's what I'm going to do because I want to look a certain way. And so we sat in our, in our room, I'll never forget, sitting in our, my apartment with my two other girlfriends that we were all going to do the show together. And we wrote up our diets. and they all looked exactly the same. Like it was literally now you, it's like, we know, cause we're coaches, but it's like, okay, Courtney was like five foot tall. I'm five, eight. My friend was actually like five, 10. She was taller than me. And we all ate the same exact thing. And yeah. we all lost weight. We lost body fat. I remember my body changing and we didn't have, I didn't even have a camera phone. I don't think at the time, or I had like the first ever iPhone ever invented was like what I used. And I used a, a camera. Oh uh, my God. What am I trying to say? A freaking digital, digital camera. camera. Yeah. yeah. Digital camera I took a selfie in the mirror. I have like one selfie during this process. Right. Yeah. And I remember like looking in the mirror and being like, wow, like I look completely different and seeing abs for the first time and seeing a six pack. And I was like, I've never had abs. It's not my genetic makeup to have them, but how cool is this? Right. And the things that we sacrifice, it's, it's unbelievable what I was willing to sacrifice. So for you, what were some of those things? Like what, like, that's the thing. It's like, I want people to know, not saying bodybuilding is bad or whatever, but there has to be an understanding of what, if you are willing to, whether you want to do a show or not, what are you willing to sacrifice? What did you, I know what I sacrificed, but what was your experience like? Well, for me, I was in grad school. So I'd already had my like college experience and I was ready to put that behind me. So, yes. you know, going out and drinking, that wasn't really a part of my deal anyway. I didn't really care. But no, I same. Did. I'm with you on that one, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't drink alcohol. I, you know, the first part of like this whole thing really was like, you should be eating more. And I'd spent my entire life telling myself I should be eating less. So it really was empowering for me to better understand what my body needed to 
just function at a high capacity. And that was my first introduction to macros and to understanding nutrition from that perspective of like using myself as an example of like, how much should I really be eating to, you know, have great performance in the gym, to have great recovery, to build muscle. What does that look like? So that was my first introduction to this process. And that was really wild to me. I was like, oh, I should be eating more. Like, this is so weird, but I guess it's part of the process. So I'm going to trust it. And so that was um, really exciting, motivating, scary, because I'd spent my entire life thinking the opposite. Um, But so at the beginning, it was easy, which I think that it should be, it should never be so difficult. And uh, really, since I was doing my own programming, I kept my intake pretty high, I would say like, like most 80% of the time, it was above 1500 calories, Mm -hmm. which I think is rare in this industry. And you'll see it from a lot of coaches. That's not the case. Granted, everybody's different, but I kept my intake above 1500 for 80% of the process. And I sacri- I mean, I didn't go out to eat because that wasn't easy to program. And I didn't want to guess. I had to know, like I was weighing spinach to the leaf. If I was over by a single gram, like I'm not going to eat it. Like I was so precise and yeah to the book and everyone's different, but when you want to step on stage, you get into this mindset that every little thing counts. Mm -hmm. And that was the hardest thing for me to break was it's okay to have a few extra grams of spinach. Like it's okay to not be perfect in your measurements. It's okay to not measure everything out so precisely. And I was weighing everything. It was, I never use measuring cups or anything like that. So it was, that was the hardest thing for me to break was allowing myself to be in a gray area with measurements and portion sizes instead of having to be so precise. Like even if a package said like, this is what one serving looks like in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm having one serving. I wouldn't even think to have half a serving. Like that's how, like my mind was just like, this is how it is black and white. Half Mm. a serving didn't exist. 1.15 servings didn't exist. Like it was one clear, like I almost didn't have like the bandwidth to be able to comprehend anything outside of that. So I sacrificed looking back, my mental health was so bad. I was a poor student. Uh, not that I didn't do okay. I mean, I passed and I, you know, got right. my degree and everything, but I know in retrospect that my last semester of grad school, I didn't learn a lot. Um, they weren't my favorite classes either. So maybe that's why. Totally. But. I feel like when you love or like what you're into, what you're learning, I'm like a plus student. And yeah. when I'm like out the door, I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Just get me through, you know, but my ability to focus was horrible. I wasn't sleeping very, very well, which happens a lot when you're at a low body fat percentage and you're dieting. Mm-hmm. Uh, my stress was high. I sacrificed, you know, relationships. I didn't have the capacity to entertain people in person or over the phone. Like I just Mm -hmm. didn't have the energy to do that. So I, you know, didn't really keep in touch with people. I kept to myself a lot. I was so obsessed with what I was doing, how I looked. Um, You know, it was very, it was all about me, 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 me all day, every day. And, um, you know, I didn't really get a taste of how that affected other people until it was like my show day 
I had my sister come visit. I had a few friends come for the show. It was in my, yep. or, I was in Orlando. It yeah. was uh, in Florida. So I drove out there, like, all, like friends, family came to like watch. And I was like, you know, again, it was all about me. And my sister was like, you need to get a grip. Like, <laughs> this is not okay. And I was like, I was so upset. I cried. Yes. <laughs> you're that tired and you're that you're starving essentially yes. You've been starving yourself for so long. Like every little thing is going to tip you off into an emotional turmoil. So <sighs> that was like my first introduction to like reality of like, wow, like I've been so consumed myself for so long. I didn't even know that it was happening. Like I must be a nightmare to be around. Like, and that was really sad, like a sad realization because and it hurts more because you know that on the outside, you've done what you said you're going to do, but on the inside, you're empty. Totally. And so, so then you're like, well, well, now what? <laughs> like, yes. You can say the F word if you were about to. It's okay. <laughs> I didn't know. Who, we who put the explicit people. sign on here just in case, you know, I drop shit every now and then. It's like, okay, it's fine. But but I, I totally, yes, I totally understand what you're saying. So it's, yeah, it, it was a lot of sacrifice that I was willing to make because my whole life, this was what I wanted. And, you know, down the road, it was kind of this almost like mess of like, now what do I do? I, once I got that lean, I was like, well, where are my boobs? Where's my butt? Like, I need to fix these other things now. Like it was nothing was ever good enough or would never be good enough. So it was just kind of like, okay, I achieved this one thing. Now I can see my abs. Great. But, you know, now I have to fix these other things that I didn't realize were a problem until I got this lean. And now, you know, it's one thing after another, there's no satisfaction. There's always more that you feel that you should or can be doing to reach what you, you know, thought that you wanted. Mm -hmm. It's like the more sacrifice you, you've sacrificed and given so much. And then on the day that you should feel so happy and, and empowered and you did all of this and you're like oh you look at people next to you and you're like shit like I could have done one more day of this or I could have taken away one more meal of this like we put ourselves on 1200 calories because we didn't know any better and for some reason 1200 calories was like the golden standard of like what you need to diet on right and I look back now and I'm like my like one meal right now is probably 1200 calories. Like how was, I wasn't surviving. Like I wasn't thriving in school. Like I, I like you, I'm not a big drinker. I've just never been, I've don't judge it. I've been around it. I've, uh, my friends have done, it's whatever. I was always like sober Sally to begin with, but then it was more of the experiences of like, just being able, like you said, the relationships, like I just, I just kept to myself and I, and I am so not that like, I am so obviously more of an extra extrovert, but I am also an introvert. I am also an introvert and I have to have my quiet and alone time, but I was totally like putting like my true self was just, just being so small because I was like, well, I can't go to their house because I didn't have the energy and I didn't want to have to explain why I was drinking a protein shake when everyone else, like, I was just like, I, I can't even be me. Like I just, and so I feel like there was that experience of like Casey finding herself, (laughs) um, a lot of time with myself and a lot of, um, sacrifice of just, I think friendships and things that could have really bloomed if I really would have had the energy to do that. And 
it's so funny you say like, so my, I don't have a sister, but I'm, I have my sister-in-law is basically my sister. Um, she came up the night before painted me like at three in the morning, painting me seeing things no one's ever seen except like a doctor. And I'm just like, because she just had, she's like, I have to get every inch of you, you know, whatever. And we had these shared moments that are like funny, but also like, what am I, you know, what am I doing? And so (laughs) we, after the show, and I think like, you'll get a kick out of this, but after the show, all I could think of was this salmon dinner from like a restaurant locally. I wanted the salmon so bad. And I wanted, um, they have like a hummus plate and they give you this huge thing of feta cheese. And I literally just wanted to eat the whole thing of feta cheese. Like that's all I could think of. Right. Like at this point, fruit was my cheat meal. Like, like we're talking, woo, like we're towards the end here and we get to the restaurant. We waited all day. I'm I am oily and I have my eyelashes probably hanging off and I just can't wait to eat something. And I, I wanted it so bad. We sit down and they go, everyone knew what I wanted. My whole family, they all let me order first. They were like, well, she needs to order. She's been waiting for this. And I'm like, so I want the salmon, you know, whatever. And a hummus, what kind of hummus do you guys have? I don't like spicy. And the hummus of the day was like three jalapeno pepper popper, like whatever. And I was like, shit, I don't want that. Like, I was like, okay, what about salmon? And she goes, oh my gosh, we're out of salmon. You would have thought somebody like murdered like it was uh, my whole family like it was so like picked your dog or something I'm not even kidding like (laughs) the way that my family looked at me it's almost laughable now that we were all so invested in what I was gonna freaking eat because I hadn't let myself do that and they all collectively like were like oh my god like we've been hearing about this salmon for seven months you know it's like I look back now and I'm like oh my god like we were all invested in me eating a piece of salmon and eating feta cheese. Like, wow. You know? And again, we put ourselves in those situations. We signed up for the competition. We knew maybe what we were getting into, but for, for you, cause I know for me, it's like, how did you find yourself getting out of that mindset? Cause it's not easy and it takes time for me. It took years, Mm -hmm. but what, maybe what were some things that either helped you or, what was that experience like for you? Like now the show's over. What do you do? Yeah. And it definitely took me years looking back now. It took me years to get a healthy grip on mindset and relationship with exercise. Cause at that point I wanted nothing to do with the gym. You know, what was once my happy place was the vein of my existence. Like I did not want to go back and I just didn't enjoy my training sessions. It was very much work for me at that time. And so afterward, I like, you know, I knew I needed reverse. Like I was, you know, super educated. I knew what needed to happen, but I didn't want to, like, I wanted to, you know, take off the weight that I put on that weekend by going out, having dinner, having drinks, you know, things like that, celebrating. Mm -hmm. I wanted to maintain and have like this perfect slow progression of increasing my calories over time, allowing my body fat to regulate and increase over time too. But that just wasn't the reality. And I think my response to post-show has a lot to do with my past with my eating disorder as well to where, you know, I felt like I didn't have a grip on moderation and I still like, that was something that I didn't learn and really 
embrace until way later in life. So it was really this rebound effect of, you know, I was following this prep for 12 weeks. It was to a T did not miss. I didn't skip a beat. Like you didn't I, skip a spinach leaf girl. You did no, not. <laughs> I did not open the spinach, not even one day. Uh, so it was kind of like, what do I do? Like, I want to have this perfect reverse, but like, I just, but I, you know, I just, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to retrain myself to eat more food and to be accepting of that. I just wasn't in the mental space to be able to handle that. I didn't have the support or I didn't even know how to ask for help because I thought that I could do it. Like, look what I just did. Like yes. I can do anything. Yes. <laughs> that yes. I was still struggling with the control around certain foods, feeling like I needed to implement these things, but also not being okay with implementing these new things or implementing more things. So it really brought back a lot of those thoughts and even actions of my eating disorder. So that was a learning curve. I ended up going and traveling for a couple of weeks after I went to Iceland and then to, I did a little thing Ooh, in Europe. So nice. that to me actually was so healing because I mean, I went into that experience with almost like I wanted to let go of control and I wanted to just embrace everything that was in front of me. But I also held on really tight to like, I brought protein bars, I brought oatmeal, like I brought all these things to make the, make it a little bit easier on myself and to feel better about, you know, having one meal a day be whatever I wanted to be at a restaurant somewhere around the world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like I wanted to get up and exercise every single morning and I did, and it was actually a big part of like, what was so fun about traveling at that time was we would get up before anybody else was awake and we'd go for a run or we'd do something and we get to experience some of these really beautiful places before anybody else. So it was yeah. really cool. And, you know, I look back and it was a very fond memory of mine, but at the time, like I was also holding myself back from certain things because I still wanted to control. And, you know, coming back from that, I, I had gained weight and I by no means gained that much weight, but in my mind, I was like, this is unacceptable. So I threw myself into another show, which ultimately I'd basically been dieting nine months out of the year by the end of that show. And my body was just like, fuck you. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. And after that, I was like, you know, I still had this idea in my head of like, I'm going to compete again. Like I'll probably compete again but I knew I needed to take a break. I, you know, it was one of those things where you try and you fail so many times and you finally get to a place where you're like, okay, I give up. I'd given up like trying to control because again, I tried, failed, tried, failed so many times mm -hmm. trying to lose the weight that I'd gained post-show. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to build, I'm going, you know, and those, those are the things that you say out loud, but in your head, you're kind of like, I still want to be a little lead. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're like, holding on to that feeling. Yeah. yeah. And really it was like a couple years of kind of like that, like back and forth of like gaining, losing, gaining, losing. And I think that so many people can relate to like doing, going through that process and being none the better for it. Mm -hmm. And I got to this place where I was just like, I'm so fed up with like, I know how to lose weight. I obviously know how to gain weight. 
why am I pursuing something that is not sustainable? Like, why do I keep putting myself through this only to be none the richer, to be, you know, no, no better for it. It's just this constant cycle. And that was a really big shifting point where I started investing more in my mental health and even in my career where I was like, okay, like how can I shift my focus solely from how I look on the outside to these other pockets of life that are also important that can be super fulfilling because I cannot continue to just care about these things because it's driving me crazy. And obviously it's not the, it's not what I thought it would be. It's not going to actually bring me that fulfillment that I'm looking for. So I signed up for coaching. I invested in like a life coach. I started doing more mental health exercises and you know just like we all we were talking about like your experience helps shape how you see the world and that completely reformed how I saw my life going and what I wanted for myself and one of my favorite things that I did when all of this started shifting was I made a list of all the things that I wanted to be not what I wanted to look like but I I wanted to be I wanted to be generous. I wanted to be a good coach, a good friend. I wanted to, and I still want to be these things and I still try and live up to them. But every single day I wanted to embody qualities instead of embodying actions that reflected how I looked on the outside. So I wanted, you know, it comes back to kind of that quote or that idea of like, well, what do you want to be remembered for? Mm -hmm. And like, well, you know, those types of thoughts and Uh, ways to kind of get your your brain moving but you know every single day like putting thought and reflection into like who you wanted to live up to be and I wanted to be somebody who took care of their body I wanted to be somebody who took care of their mental health and had a good relationship with exercise and with their body and things like that so making a list it can be short it can be long you can add to it over time But thinking Mm -hmm. about the things that you want to be, not thinking about the things that you want to look good in, whether it's a swimsuit or a pair of jeans, Mm -hmm. um, but really having that be the root of my motivation and like what really kept me going towards the path that I was on was those things. And valuing them more too, because the more that you think about those things, the more you value them, the more they take a, a higher place in terms of like priorities throughout your day. Because when you're competing, it's like, you're only thinking about what you're looking like. Like you're not getting up there and they're not giving away Miss Congeniality Awards or Best Personality or Sweetest Sweetheart. Like you're not getting those awards on stage. It's, you know, it's what girl they think looks better at the moment. And it's, and it is, I love everything you said there. Oh my God, so good. And it's like, I think that is such a shift for a common theme for a lot of people coming out of something like that, like whether you've competed or not, it's like all of a sudden the shift starts to be, okay, what am I going to do with this experience now? What, what can I do moving forward? Right. And so it's, okay, I don't want to be so focused on what I look like. How am I going to help people? If I'm only focusing on what I look like, like, how can I make them feel? How can I feel different? How can, it's like the relationships come back to, looking at yourself in the mirror and actually seeing yourself. And that's like what I work with therapy all the time now. Like I, my therapist, I remember she said to me, she said, 
just last year when I got really back into going again, which I should have been continuing going, but you get to a point, you're like, I think I'm okay. And then you're like, okay, I got to go back to therapy. It's, it's good all the time. But I remember her saying to me, what, what's, what's your story? Who is Casey? And, and I honestly thought that would be an easy question to answer. And I, and I was like, um, I think I need a couple of days to like write that down, you know, because it's, yeah. it has changed from 10 years ago and it's going to continue to change, but it's really looking in the mirror and being like, I want to do, I want to be like you said, these qualities that I want to embody so that people are, I can then use that to help people around me. Right. And so for you, did you, did you get right into like, what was your, when you were in school, I'm like intrigued by this all the time when, when we have our online trainers, you know, that I get to talk to. And I'm like, I've tried the online training thing. I've dabbled in it. I can do it. But like I said, I, I am very like an in-person person. I like hands-on and not that you guys don't, you guys or whatever, but we need both of us. Like we need both of us. And my thing is we need good connectors in both roles, no matter what, whether you like, you know, work with people online or you work with people in person. So it's all, it's all the same, the way you make people feel, the way you connect, the way you support people. But when you were in college, what were you going to school for? What did you want to do? Like, did you know you were going to be a trainer? Did you, and you had kind of touched on, you didn't really enjoy the eight hours a day. And, and I get it, girl, I get it. Like it's, it can be a lot. And that's why I own my own business and I do it my way. Like I, I make my schedule the way I, you know, I mean, you obviously are doing what works for other people, but at the same time, I have a little more freedom. Right. But I wonder for you, were you in school? Like, I'm going to be an online trainer. Like what, how did that happen? How did that happen? Not even in the slightest. I went to undergrad for nutritional science, dietetics. So that was really the route that I thought that I would go was to be a dietitian. And RD school is very competitive. Didn't get in the first time I applied. So then I applied to grad school, got in, studied kinesiology and sport nutrition, which was inspired by my experience. I was an athletic training technician in in undergrad. And so I was with the football team. I got to work in this amazing facility. The environment of sports is obviously super exciting. And I loved it. I mean, I missed the athletic atmosphere. So I thought I wanted to go into sports, still love it, like still could do it. It's not like I'm not, you know. Totally, you can do whatever the heck you want, you know? (laughs) Exactly. So I, my goal actually, when I went to my graduate program was to be a sport nutritionist, sport dietitian with college athletes, because, you know, they're coming to school, they have no idea how to take care of themselves and nutrition is a huge component to performance. So I wanted to be able to provide the education that they were lacking because my experience as an athletic training technician was there was no guidance. They were getting served, you know, pizza or like, you know, crappy stuff after games, after practices, like they had all this great equipment, but they were underserved in some capacities. And I wanted to be able to serve that. So I um, went to grad school for that purpose, essentially was to become that. And after grad school, I applied again to an RD program, didn't get in again. And I was kind of like, okay, what's next? And I moved back to Seattle, which is where I was from. I moved from Georgia where I went to school back to Seattle. And I was kind of like, I don't know what's next. I guess I'll work at a gym until I figure it out. And I applied to work with the Seahawks. I applied for a bunch of jobs. And, you know, what I kind of discovered through all of those kind of bits and pieces of applying and 
and even I was going to apply to a program that I created myself, essentially, like you find your own, um, what are they called? Like, not proctors, you find your own, um, like people essentially to help you learn in each of the different departments. Yes. Yeah. And, Why can't but, I think of what that word's right. called? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I was <laughs> going to put you. together my own program and a bulk of diet becoming a registered dietitian is clinical. And I knew I never wanted to work in a hospital, special populations, super cool, not my thing. And then you have maybe like an eight week, four to eight week program in a specialty that you actually enjoy. And for me, that was sports. And I was like, so I'm going to pay $30,000 or more to go back to school for a year, become an RD and only get four to eight weeks doing something that is actually relevant to what I want to do. So it was kind of like, okay. And, you know, like I actually, I went to school, my master's program had a conjoined registered dietitian program. So I took classes with a lot of the registered dietitian students and they were learning the same things I was granted. They had their clinicals and they had their outside, you know, work that they were doing, but it was a lot of the same stuff. So I didn't feel like I was going to gain anything from going back to school and getting my RD. And so I just started working in gyms. I wanted to obviously provide my nutrition element, which was hard in a gym setting because trainers make more money. More people are willing to invest in a trainer. So I was doing both nutrition training, trying to launch more nutrition focus in gym settings. It wasn't really that popular. So I didn't get a whole lot of traction, but ultimately that's what I wanted to do. And I don't do any one-on-one personal training virtually or anything like that, Mm -hmm. because obviously like, how does that even work? Like, how am I supposed to like, that just sounds miserable to me for a lot of reasons. (laughs) Yeah. Energy you have to bring in person and then amplify that like in a virtual setting. Like that just to me is like, not my thing no it's like so many layers to that like you're not in person to show them what to do to you know individual one-on-one that's tough it's easier in some ways but so much harder in other ways and you know you I'm sure uphold the same quality and standards and expectations that like for all of your your clients and you want to give them the same effort energy time that they're giving you and quality Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just really hard to create through a virtual platform. So for me, it's just been nutrition for the most part and I'll write programs and things like that, which is also hard because you're not there watching them complete it. You're not making sure that they're putting in, you know, the effort, like understanding RPE, so rate of perceived exertion. A lot of people don't understand what that looks like, feels like, should be like. So if you give them three sets of 15, well, they might be choosing something that's really light and easy to manage when your intention was for them to burn out on that set and hit a higher RPE. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's left up to your, to your client to put the work in and to interpret the program in a way that was intended, which is really hard to create that kind of relationship and understanding with clients virtually. So totally long long long-winded kind of response there but I love uh, it that's kind of how I got to where I'm at now was you know jumping from place to place and I get a lot of questions of like how do you how do I get to where you are and to be honest like it was never an intentional thing for me to be a virtual coach a hundred percent of the time but it was you know through working at different gyms for multiple years going off on my own, having my own 
you know, which is kind of what you do now, right? You go from like client to client and you- yeah, I go to people's houses. I am an independent contractor out of a gym. I teach at the, re- like I teach all over. It's like, it's just, you wear a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah. But you learn, you learn so much through that process. And I think you learn a ton too, from being in a gym setting where you're surrounded by other trainers and people who are really good at what they do. I've learned so much from those experiences and there's no finite route or, you know, option for people who pursue, pursue an education in nutrition or kinesiology, exercise science. Like there's no one way you can take it. Yes. Like what I do is a potential one route you could take, but I didn't start by just wanting to be an online coach. I worked in gyms for years and I learned a lot from that. I gained a lot from that and slowly worked my way in is the way that I did it. The only way, no, but I don't know another way. So I can't really promote another way of getting to where I am without saying work in gyms, learn as much as you can, uh, you know, take what you can from that. And don't think that you can necessarily graduate and be an online coach. Mm-hmm. I, the, so like I said, I've dabbled in online training, but I think Every person that I have talked to about being hundred percent online training has worked with, has always say work with people in some capacity. Like I, I go back to my school on zoom and I, and I talk to a lot of students that are about to graduate that are kind of like me. They started this major. That's like a hybrid between health and phys ed and exercise science with business. And I'm like, basically it's like the Casey major, you know? So I go back and I talk to these students and they're like, how did you, what are you, I go, okay, my story, my route, like you said, it, it's not like you have to follow the same route. I learned as I went, like, it was like, oh, okay, let's try this. Let's try this. But I tell all of them, if you want to do something online, work with people in person, not that you can't do it at the same time. Like you can do it simultaneously, but it's like to be and correct someone's form in person, to watch them work in person, to understand what they feel during this certain way that you program this workout. And they're going to come into you and they're going to feel a different way. You have to change the whole damn thing as you're standing there. There is never a perfect scenario, but you will learn so much from that. And working with people, I just think it's, it's just so important that that experience and also learning how to connect with people. Like I tell, I used to have a, um, a, uh, like intern when I, I lived in San Diego for a little bit, actually, I know you're, you've been yeah. in California. So I worked for, um, Todd Durkin at fitness quest 10 out in San Diego and like Scripps ranch area, um, for about five months. And then I decided to come back this way. And, and there's a whole story there. It's not a bad thing, but I learned a crap ton about myself to do that. Um, kind of maybe your experience when you went traveling, like I just, I learned so much about myself. And so but I remember being like telling the interns working under with us, right? You can, like I said, you can know every single thing there is to know, but if you can't connect with this person, it's not, it's not that you gotta, you gotta be able to connect with people. And that is what you learn, whether it's in person or online. Um, I love that. And so, and, and obviously I don't want to take up your whole day. We could talk forever. These go so fast. Cause I'm like, I just want to like hang out and talk all I the know, time, but I do have a really, I do have a, a question and I think it's really important. Cause I feel like I might know your answer, but I, I want other people to hear this as well for someone like Sam, who's gone through the, you know, basically we were athletes as kids. And then we go into the weight room and we do the show. And, and, and although maybe not everyone listening has done a show or ever wanted to, but it's, it's that, 
uh, journey that we take in the, in our fitness world, that's very individual. And we do things sometimes and we try things and we do the extremes of things. And I'd love for everyone to like, just kind of hear how you train now versus back then when you were obviously focused so much on what we want to look like and what we want to do, but finding that blend of happiness and like letting your body be happy, but also doing what you enjoy. So I'd love to know, like, what's your training look like now? And maybe you can throw in there, like what you're eating as far as not like, I don't really love the whole, like what I eat, meaning like you have to eat like Sam, cause it's very different, but I would love to know the mindset maybe behind where you are now compared to totally. where you were then. Totally. So I think this is super important too. And I'm really glad that you asked because what there's, you know, this idea of what's optimal and that's what I went to school for. Like what's optimal, what's the best of the best that you can do for your nutrition, for training, performance, recovery, what's the best you can do. And that's what I, that was the expectation that I put on myself was I have to do everything by the book based on what's optimal. And I have to take the, all the supplements that are the best, blah, 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 blah. So that was my perspective. I was doing a bodybuilding split of like legs, chest, shoulders, back. Like I was kind of rotating through those and then doing like my cardio on the side. So I would do like my, my weight training and I would do my cardio and it took me a long time to get past, okay, this is what's optimal, but what's realistic and enjoyable because doing what was optimal made me miserable. It also made me hate training because I was doing so much of it and what I was eating or how I was eating. So at the time I was trying to do like six small meals a day and I was never really full. I was never really satisfied. I kind of felt like I was constantly chasing hunger, which was exhausting and it was just not enjoyable. And well, I was starving myself. So duh. Um, well, duh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, been there, done that. I know exactly. How, yep. Right. right. Yep. And again, it took me a long time to break free from what's optimal and to really go towards what's more realistic and enjoyable for me, which today is at bare minimum, I'm walking with my dog. I try and get 10 to 12,000 steps per day. Yeah. I, try and find some way to move, whether that's for five, 10 minutes, or, you know, maybe I'm going to the gym and I'm training for an hour, but every single day I try and give myself at least a little bit of that me time. And it could be stretching. It could be a 10 minute, every minute on the minute or a AMRAP, something like that. I'm just moving because it feels good. It feels really good for me to spend that time, not thinking about anything else. I just put my music on, set a timer and I just move. So that type of movement, not every single day, but I try and make it as frequent as possible. Again, it depends on schedule. It depends on responsibilities, things you have going on. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of other things, so nutrition, I eat bigger meals. I love bigger meals. So typically this would be something that I would never have done when I was, when I was training for my show, but I like to eat two or three, like thousand calorie meals or like 700,000 calorie meals. And I'll snack a little bit. I'll have like cheese sticks or I'll have like my protein. Okay, you also love the Trader Joe's gummies just as much as I do. I love them. Oh my when God. you <laughs> post them, I'm like, I, I, I don't want to be creepy, but I'm like, they're my favorite candy. Like we have a whole, actually right now my computer's sitting on our candy jar and Scandinavian swimmers are in our candy jar. Like oh. I have a bag from Christmas that I won't open because it's the last 
bag of Christmas gummies, but you understand. Yeah, I do. So I just got the sour ones and I don't like sour, but the texture of those gummies. I'm with you. I'm with you because my husband is a sour patch. Like he's, he's a child basically and loves (laughs) sour patch kids. And then I got the sour gummies from Trader Joe's and they're like thicker and good. And he's like, these are so good. I'm like, and I don't like sour either. And I freaking love them. I'm sorry. We're on a tangent, but I was like, I have to bring that up. We are twins in that spot, but I would have never let myself do that eight years ago. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's, I do bigger meals and I snack a little bit, very non-traditional, but I also incorporate some of those like optimal elements from my education and my experience of like, okay, pre-workout, I want to have, you know, a four to one ratio of carbs to protein or a post-workout. I want to have a four to two ratio of carbs to protein. So like an example of that would be like 40 grams of carbs and 20 grams of protein. And I have that with my protein shake. I add my gummies. I'm there. So I do incorporate those elements of like sport, nutrition, performance, recovery. I add creatine to my post-workout. So I do a little bit of both. It's like my, my version of balance, right? Everyone has to find their own version of balancing mm-hmm. what's optimal and what's realistic and enjoyable. So this is kind of just my version that I'm sharing with you all today. Yeah, we love uh, it. And then, you know, like I make prior protein a priority always like that's something that has been ingrained into my brain. And it's also something that I find a lot of enjoyment in because protein is enjoyable to me. And it's so much easier to find enjoyment in something when the supplement industry has done a really good job of making it tasty and enjoyable. So (laughs) um, (laughs) tasty and delicious. (laughs) So, um, and then the other thing though, that I I do want to mention, like, those are kind of like the things that like, I would say are like my bare minimum. I'm, you know, moving a little bit. I'm going for walks. I love walking, which I never used to. It used to be a pain in my ass, like to have to do that kind of cardio. I love walking. I love being outside and I love doing it with my dog. And when I was prepping, I would walk on the treadmill and I'd feel like such a bad mom because I was walking my dog, but I needed to know how much output I was putting in and a treadmill gives you that information. So Mm side tangent there, but um, I also write down every single day something. And this is something I started this past, like January 1st was writing down something that I'm grateful for every single day. It could be something as ridiculous as my dog pulling on her leash and making me laugh. I Uh, love that though. So writing down something I'm grateful for every single day, I have an alarm on my phone to remind me to do it. It's like, it takes two seconds. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I have an alarm on my phone at like 8 PM every night, write down that gratitude, piece of gratitude. And then I've gotten into reading again. And I used to be such a bookworm. I would hide under my covers as a child and with my little book light that would attach to my book light that like, yes, yes. (laughs) it's like the little worm that like attaches up there. Yeah. yeah. People don't have those anymore. No, Um, like they actually have like a full light on their bed. I'm like, no, you just see my mom still has it. Like the little light that sits on your freaking book. It's like amazing. Kids read on their computers or they have kids. This is true. Yeah. We didn't have any other light option. It was like, you needed that one. Yep. I used to be such a bookworm and I've reintroduced reading. I read more like self-help improvement stuff, Mm -hmm. um, at least of of late, Uh, but it's really been super enriching because and I'll kind of refer to like one of my favorite speeches of all time, which was um, Gary V. Gary V. Yeah. I don't know. Football or baseball, not baseball. I'm like, 
referencing my favorite quote and I can't even think right. of it. <laughs> that's me. I'm uh, like, that, I love this thing, but I don't know what it says. Yeah. Basketball coach. Um, and his big thing, like he was speaking at the SBs. SBs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. About like what a full day looks like. And it was cry, laugh, and think. If you can implement those three things every single day, you'll live a full life. And how often do you spend time in thought every single day? So journaling is a great way to implement thought, you know, referencing the gratitude thing. That's a great way to implement thought. But so often we get caught up in the one, two, three, like kind of just going through the day on repeat, but spending time in thought, thinking about who you are, why you are the way that you are, who you want to be, um, you know, being grateful, that's a great way to add to a full day. So, yeah. I love that. And such a full, like full circle 180 from where we were like years ago. Like I didn't even, cause you just don't, you just, when you get so fixated on the outside goal of an aesthetic purpose or like even without competing, it's like we get fixated on what we look like. You completely lose sight of what's going on inside or what your brain is even thinking. Like my digestion was horrible. Like there's so many things that I just kept being like, Oh, it's normal. It's normal. I don't know. That's not weird. That's normal. And it's like, no, like we are, I never thought about like optimal digestion and, and drinking, you know, obviously we drank enough water. I had a gallon with me at all times, but it was like, just introducing different things to make me feel us feel, you know, full circle with ourselves. And so much of that is in between the two years, you know, it's like up here. Um, and I think that's why I love to bring people on this podcast and it's been true to you. Be true to you is always the way that I wrote like, instead of like putting like sincerely Casey on my blog for 10 years, it was always, for some reason, always felt really good to be like, just stay like, even though no matter what space I was in, right. I always preached, just stay true to yourself, be true to you. XO Casey. That's how I've signed it for years. That's what launched and my business is true to you fitness because every single person coming in is completely true to themselves. And their, their journey is going to look completely different. And the same thing with like, true to you chats. It's like everyone that comes on here, it's like your true story. Like, I just want to hear your true story and, and, and us speak our truth of like, you know what? We might've made mistakes. Like you said, it's like, it's not really a mistake. We chose to do these things. We didn't really know. Now we can do better. Here's what we've learned. I don't want you to have to go down the same path that I went down. Like that is such a beautiful thing. And I always say, it's like, why keep it inside if we can share and every single person on social media that I've reached out to that I followed for a long time. It's like, we think the, we think people like you or whoever are untouchable because of the, of the, of the numbers or, you know, what they're, who they're aligned with or who they work with. And it's like, we are all freaking humans that sit behind a desk and have a planner and drink coffee. And you know what I mean? Like we all have a freaking story and I'm just so glad that you came on today to share yours. And I feel like I want, definitely want you to come back on if you ever want to, I feel like we could touch on so many different topics of like nutrition and just so many things. I'd love to pick your brain on your schooling and nutrition and everything, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people on this podcast that listen would love that as well, because it's things that we think people just know, but it's like, no, like they might not know what a four to two ratio, what does that mean? You know, like, I'd love to, uh, to have you back on and kind of pick your nutrition brain as well sometime. 
Yeah, for sure. I think, and especially you're, you having the background that you do and me having the one, I think we can align on a lot of things and have a great discussion about, you know, the industry, what we've learned, what we carried totally. on with us today. I think that it's so valuable. And like, I truly, my dad said this all growing up, like we're all in this together. Like that's, you know, that what life is all about. It's not about you individually pursuing success by, success by yourself, but like, how can we help uplift other people? And you really get more when you give more. So I'm, I love these com- com- types of conversations <laughs> and um, the ability to help other people, I think is the most important. So I appreciate totally. you having me on. This was so oh my fun. Gosh, of course. So where can people find you? I mean, I'll link all your stuff in the show notes, you know, cause I'm such a professional podcaster. Let me link you in the show notes, but where can people find you? Are you doing anything right now? Are you launching anything, anything exciting right now that you want to talk about? So I am at the Sam plan on Instagram. I also have a website, the And right now I'm actually in the middle of launching a journaling book that um, has a very thought provoking question, things that have helped me develop a better relationship with myself, with other people, with fitness and food. And on the other side, you would have a daily workout, body weight workout, idea, concept of ways to move your body. They get progressively over time. So it's like a 30 day journal, all about developing physical, mental, and kind of emotional success over the next 30 days, kind of focusing on that. So I'm very excited about it. It's a product that I've really produced and I'm super proud of it. I put a lot of time, effort, and love into it. So I'm excited to get it out hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So, okay. I was just going to say when I was like, when does that come out? Awesome. I'll make sure to uh, soon, soon. So your, your episode will probably either go live next week or the week after. Um, but, and it'll be right around that time. So I can definitely help share with my, with my little area on social media, we can share and, and help and help get the word out for you. But again, thank you so much. You can just kind of hang on here. We'll, uh, decompress together. And then, um, yeah, we'll just go from there. So thank you so much for joining me guys. Make sure to follow Sam in the show notes, click all of the links below and you will learn so much from, from Sam and her stories and all of her posts. I've shared many of them because they just resonate with me and my story and all of my clients. Everyone can get a piece of what you're doing and understand and learn from you. So, so thankful for you being on here, guys, make sure you follow Sam and we will see you in the next episode. All right.